The podcast you're about to hear is the audio track from a presentation made with slides on MSACL Connect. If you'd like to see this presentation with the slides as well as hear it, you can view the video recording on the MSACL website under Connect Recorded at MSACL.org. Welcome everyone to MSACL Connect and thank you for joining us today for a seminar with Dr. Shinyan on electrochemical strategies in ESI MS for lipid analysis. My name is Chris Harold and I'll be co-hosting and co-moderating this session with Ms. Amber Harold. Thank you, Ms. Amber. I'd like to take a moment to thank our MSACL Connect Platinum sponsors, Golden West Diagnostics, Thermo Fisher Scientific, and Brian Kelly for their generous contributions that support the operation of this platform and thereby provision of this and other educational content. So thanks to them. If you have a question during the talk, please feel free to submit it in the chat box. And at the completion of the talk, we'll go through chat box and see if you want to ask the question yourself. Um, if you don't, I can ask it for you. Um, also, you could just raise your hand during the discussion session and we'll call on you. Talk today should be, I don't know, Shen, 30 to 45 minutes, you think? Is that a pretty good range? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and after that, we'll go into discussion period. But then, as always, we'll stay in line to address any follow up questions during the presentation or even what's going on in MSACL if you want to ask us any questions. So, a quick intro of our presenter, Dr. Shinyan. Dr. Yan received her PhD in chemistry from Purdue University in 2015, as she mentioned, under the supervision of Professor R. Graham Cooks. And after graduation, she did her postdoctoral research with Professor, Professor Richard Zare at Stanford University. And in 2018, she joined the chemistry department at Texas A&M University as an assistant professor. Her research centers around the development and application of droplet chemistry in lipid and metabolite analysis, reaction acceleration, and new synthetic methods. With that, I'll hand it over to Shen. Thanks, Shen. Thank you, Chris, for the introduction. And also thanks to the organizer for providing this opportunity. Um, it's very nice to be able to present uh, some of the, our work that we have been doing uh, recently here. So today I will focus on accelerated interfacial reactions and their applications in lipid analysis. And uh, today my talk has two parts. First, I will introduce you um, how we can accelerate reaction at the interface and how we develop the uh, interfacial microreactor for accelerating electrochemical reactions. In part two, I will talk about how we make use of these interfacial reactions in lipid analysis. All right, I'll start with something you are very familiar with, okay? Um, <clears throat> when you wanted to do a bulk reaction, you mix your reagents A and B in reaction vessel and add solvent. After a while, you will provide your product C. MassBag is a wonderful tool to monitor your reaction to follow up your progress, right? the progress of reaction. You inject your reaction solution into ion source. It can be electrospray ionization with the help of She's gas and electric field, you generate micro droplets and these micro droplets goes into mass spectrometer for analysis. Then you get your mass spectrum based on their mass over charge ratio. So you can identify what is A, B and C and also look at their intensity change. You would find whether your product is formed or increased or uh, getting an estimation of the yield of your reaction. 
So uh, let's look at some real example here. Um, so this is a pyrelium or Kaczynski reaction. You start with pyrelium ions and react it with monoamine such as uh, aniline or diamine. Then you form this um, uh, pyridinium ions. So of course you can perform it in bulk phase and use mass spec to monitor it. And let's look at the spectrum over 30 minutes. So from zero minutes, we, we saw this 309 peak, that is your pyrelium reagent peak. And when you continue this reaction for 36 minutes, you start seeing this product at 414, right? So there's still a small amount of product formed here uh, compared to your uh, dominant peak, which is your reagent. And then you can think about uh, we can perform the reaction in a different way. So here we do it in micro droplets. How we do that? We drop cast reagent on a piece of paper. So here the ionization method is called paper spray, which means you have a triangle paper and you deposit your uh, analyte. Here we use reagents, right? And you apply voltage onto this wet paper, then you induce paper spray and you form this micro droplet. This droplet goes into mass spec for analysis. So here we can uh, run the reaction um, in thin film formed by this drop casting uh, method. Also, you can generate micro droplet by applying the high voltage to this wet paper. So by performing reaction in this way, then things are different. When we monitor the reaction from zero minute to 10 minutes, we see a big difference here. We see the formation of 414 and the completion of the reaction within 10 minutes. Okay, you see the different, uh, big difference here, right? Uh, 10 minutes versus 36 minutes and the completion of the reaction versus a small amount of product formed in the reaction. So this experiment tells us that reactions can be accelerated in micro droplet, right? So um, of course we have uh, many other ways to generate micro droplet. Can we isolate reactions in those types of micro droplets? The answer is yes. In this experiment, we generate micro droplets by electrospray. Um, and you see here we have multiple capillaries. That's because we are doing a five component reaction. And this is a very efficient way to construct complex molecules. And you introduce different reagents through this capillary and mix them at the tip of the capillary. Then with the help of the sheath gas, here we use nitrogen gas, you generate micro droplets. In this device, we also add a heating device. So that can maintain the temperature of the droplet at 35 degree. And then we have this two neck flask. Um, we use this flask to collect the uh, product. Of course, you can change the surface, for example, plastic or even metal surface to collect your sample. But one thing you need to pay attention is um, you need to differentiate whether the reaction is happening in the micro droplet or uh, on your surface, okay? So here we have the condenser that is to trap, trap molecules that are escaped from this uh, collecting surface. So for this example, 
we are constructing spiral pyrrolidin in micro droplets. So spiral pyrrolidin actually is a very useful structure uh, in many drug molecules. And this is a five component reaction. Basically we mix these five reagents together in ethanol and then spray it into air and collect it on the surface of this two neck flask. So this, uh, of course, here I show you the uh, device that is the collecting mode, that is in the collecting mode, uh, but we can couple this spraying device directly with mass spec, then we can get the mass spectrum of this product and the reagent. By fragmenting the product molecule, we can uh, determine the structures. So here, just show you, we got the right product, um, targeted product of this five component re reaction. So next I wanted to show you like, what is the difference between uh, bulk reaction activity and microjoplic reaction activity. And we are using the same reagent, that means the same concentration and the same reaction system, solvent system. Uh, the difference is one in bulk phase, the other in microjoplets. So in the bulk phase, we need 4,000 minutes to get the same amount of product that we use uh, that, uh, in microdroplet, uh, and we can only use 60 minutes to get that amount. So you see the big difference here. Um, so this is another example of reaction acceleration in microdroplet, and we use different format of droplet to accelerate reaction. So now I show you the third example here, and this is to uh, make use of the unique environment of microdroplet to induce different product in microdroplet. So here is three component reaction, uh, benzaldehyde, pyrrolidine, and indole molecules. You mix them together, and in the bulk phase, you can get carbon alkylation of indoles. This is the product we usually get from the bulk phase. And the yield is very low. So people developed uh, different fancy catalysts to accelerate the reaction. And normally the reaction uh, is run for 30 minutes to 5.5 hours. And the yield varies between 35% to 90% with the use of these catalysts. Um, in the drug molecules, you would find Okay, actually, uh, nitrogen alkylation of indole is a very interesting framework and uh, often shown in the drug molecules. So people develop several step synthesis methods to achieve this framework. Interesting, interestingly, when we mix these three components in water and ethanol in microdroplets, then we can directly form this nitrogen alkylation product. So as you can see here, we do not add any catalysts and we just mix these three reagents and spray it onto the surface. So here we, we do add high voltage here and we add negatively, uh, negative voltage to this uh, solution. Uh, the yield we achieved was around like 50%. Um, so the product gives you a completely different uh, 
alkylation product, right? And in uh, bulk phase, as I said, if you want to achieve the same structure, then you need multiple steps. So you may wonder like why we have um, so many interesting phenomena occurring in microdroplets, right? Uh, in previous two examples, I show you microdroplet can accelerate reaction dramatically in micro uh, uh, dramatically. And here I show you uh, microdroplet can induce different products. So then the question is why and what is the unique feature of microdroplets? So we start thinking about this question by uh, looking at one phenomenon. If we spray a bottle of water into microdroplets, then what's the biggest difference between these two forms of water? Then you may tell me it's the surface area to volume ratio. Right? If we spray a bottle of water into microdroplets, then the surface area to volume ratio actually increase by many orders of magnitudes. It's about by three orders of magnitudes, okay, if we spray one liter of water. Then the interface uh, of microdroplets play a role here. So you may ask this question, right? And we design an experiment to see whether interface plays a role in microdroplet reaction. So here is the reaction system. We choose two phase reactions. Two phase is um, organic phase and aqueous phase. So people usually add phase transfer catalyst to drive this type of reaction. Why? Because if we do not add phase, for phase transfer catalyst, then very low mass transfer can occur between two phases. Then your reagent dissolved in uh, either phases cannot meet with each other and cannot collide, cannot react. So phase transfer catalyst play the role by either stacks extraction mechanism or causa interfacial mechanism. By either of them, they bring one species from aqueous surface, from aqueous phase to interface and then to react with the, uh, the other species in organic phase or directly bring this molecule into organic phases. So here interface is definitely involved in the reaction. Then we think if we run a reaction, two-phase reaction, but without adding any phase, for trans phase transfer catalyst, then can we observe the product in microdroplet? Okay. If we can, that means interface plays a role here. If not, then it doesn't, right? So now let's look at our reaction system. So we choose oxidation of nitro benzyl uh, alcohol reaction. This nitro benzyl alcohol is dissolved in organic phase, which is ethyl acetate. This oxidizing reagent, sodium hypochloride, is dissolved in water. Okay, so we do not add any phase transfer catalysts. Let's see what happened in bulk phase. As we expected, even though we vigorously stir our solution, we still cannot observe any formation of the product. Okay, so we see this A, which is a reagent in GC mass. Then we use microdroplet and run the same reaction. 
So without adding any phase transfer catalysts, we observe the formation of, the, my, of my product and the yield is about 72%. Okay, it's a lot better than this bulk reaction, right? So um, this method kind of provide us a new way to uh, perform two-phase reaction and without using phase transfer catalysts. In, uh, so in industry, this is very important because phase transfer catalysts can help you to accelerate two-phase reactions. But on the other hand, because of its diphasic property, it would take a lot of time and effort to remove this phase transfer catalyst at the very late stage of synthesis. So if we wanted to save all this energy or all this money cost, right? So we can uh, develop some method that do not use phase, for trans phase transfer catalyst, then we do not need to remove them. So this is the way that we can do two-phase reaction without using phase transfer catalyst. And we filed a patent of the method. Okay, let's uh, go back to our previous question. So here, since we do not have phase transfer catalyst in droplet reaction and the reaction still occur, that also tells us the interface of droplet actually plays a very important role in acceleration. Okay, now we can think about this micro droplet as two regions, surface region and bulk region or interior region. And their reaction rate actually differs quite a lot. We can look at their energy uh, diagram or potential energy here. So let's compare the rate constant for gas phase molecule reaction and micro droplet reaction and bulk phase reaction. And we found without solvation, gas phase molecule reaction have the highest rate constant. So for micro droplet reaction, it has partial solvation. So the rate constant decreased a little bit, but still higher than that of reaction in bulk phase, which has full solvation. You see the energy barrier difference among these three uh, situations. Okay, so after de uh, we determined interface plays a big role here, we also investigate droplet size effect. So we decrease the droplet size and increase surface area to volume ratio. Yes, we do see the increase of the product here. Um, so in this experiment, we also discover that uh, micro droplets with a size ranging from 30 micron to nanometer size actually are very good for accelerating reaction. Then we focus on the droplet with these uh, size range. We use fluorescence imaging technique to observe whether the molecules are uh, distributed evenly in micro droplets. And the answer is no. So let's look at the droplet with a size of 28 micron. And here, X axis is fractional distance from the center. Zero means it's in the center, in the center of microdroplet. And one means on the boundary of microdroplets. 
So you would find the molecules actually distribute uh, more on the surface instead of in the middle here. And interestingly, when you decrease the size of micro droplet, okay, this difference between the surface and the center actually decreased. So that means the surface effect or interfacial effect of micro droplets becomes uh, more and more in tiny droplets. Okay, that's why with a small droplets, even in the nano-sized uh, droplets, we have much higher conversion or higher yield of product. All right. So in this review paper, uh, we summarized uh, different formats of micro droplet reactions. And also we talk about more mechanism of reaction acceleration in micro droplets. So since this talk is not focusing on the mechanism study, so I just skip that part. But if you are interested in acceleration mechanism, you, you may go uh, to this review paper and read more, right? So here summarize uh, some of the formats of micro droplet reaction. And I've already also included the uh, droplet like electrospray, uh, thin film. Uh, this is a, a micro droplet fusion experiment or splash droplet onto surface experiment in my previous slides. So if you find um, these different formats of generating micro droplets, you would find one type of electro, uh, one type of reaction cannot be done in all types of micro droplets shown here. That is electrochemical reaction. Why? Because when you generate micro droplets, actually you already lose the contact of your electrode with reagents. Then your electrochemical reactions stop. All right. So during the past several decades, um, electrochemical reaction or electrochemistry actually have undergone uh, a revival. Um, many new methods have been developed that provides us really uh, great methods to synthesize molecules. So some of them, they suffered long reaction time then we think if we can accelerate those reactions in micro droplets, then we can make full use of them, okay? So next question is, can we accelerate electrochemical reactions in micro droplets? In order to achieve that goal, we need to think about two aspects. One is, can we generate a large interface that can accelerate reaction? And the second factor is, can we provide continuous contact of electrode and reactants. So here is our design. Um, this is our interfacial microreactor for accelerating electrochemical reactions. Let's see how it works. And you will find this is pretty similar to electrospray or nano-electrospray ionization device. And that's true. And when we use nano-electrospray ionization, we want our emitter with orifice, uh, very small orifice size, right? Because smaller orifice size will give us better ionization efficiency. That means our droplets would be very small and the uh, ionization process becomes 
um, uh, more and more uh, fast and dissolvation actually is faster and your molecules can be shown uh, better in the spectrum, okay? So in that case, we do not have a very large surface area at the tip of the emitter. And when you apply voltage, it would form the Taylor cone very fast and you directly get the signal of your analyte inside the solution. In order to have this large surface area, we want to go to the, the other direction of increasing the size of orifice. So here we use an, an orifice um, of 139 micron. So by using this large orifice size, we can generate a very large surface area at the tip. And if we look at the flow rate of this uh, electrospray process, then we can have different flow rate upon the, upon the application of different voltages. So I may jump into this slide first and talk about different modes of electrospray using zero to five kilovolts. So this is a uh, electroemitter with 140 micron size. So when we apply voltage from zero to five kilovolts, then we see the uh, different modes of electrospray. It start with dripping mode. That means the flow rate um, of this liquid going into mass spectrometer is very slow, is very low. And then micro dripping, spindle, cone jet. This is the uh, normal like a Taylor cone formed for electrospray and then multi-jet mode. So in our traditional electrospray or uh, nano-electrospray ionization, we wanted to form this cone jet directly and have our analyte spectrum uh, immediately, right? So we directly go into this cone jet. But in order to separate all this spray mode, we need to use large emitter and we can tune the voltage to maintain this surface at a certain level. So in our experiment, we found in the mode of micro dripping that really can generate an effect of accelerating electrochemical reaction. So let's look at this example. Dimethylaniline react with phenothiazine. Uh, this is a type of electrooxidation cross-coupling. And this generates the carbon-nitrogen cross-coupling product. We, uh, you know, we try these two ways uh, to do the, this same reaction in the bulk and in this interfacial microreactor. So in the bulk, um, after like a, a we mix the reagent together, and then we use traditional nano-electrospray to analyze the product. So we see, we still see the dominant peak uh, that comes from the reagent. So we see a small amount of product formed in the solution. But if we switch to interfacial microreactor, then immediately we can see the formation of our product and becomes the dominant peak in the spectrum. 
So here, this reagent peak from phenocytosing, they become very small. Okay. Um, now let's go to the mechanism study. So the nice part of interfacial microreactor is it can be coupled with mass spectrometer directly and monitor the reaction. All right, so for this reaction, we have these two reagent. First, they lose electrons on the surface of anode. And then the intermediate of these radical cations meet each other on the surface, on the interface and form this product, this carbon-nitrogen cross-coupling product. The other half reaction occurs at the mass back inlet cathode. So the proton accept electron and form hydrogen gas. All right, so here I separate it into liquid phase and air-liquid interface. And you may ask me why I say this reaction is occurring on the surface, right? So we did several experiments to demonstrate the surface play a big role here. We also did other reactions because we wanted to try uh, to see whether this micro reactor can be useful to accelerate other electrochemical reactions. So in this reaction, we start with uh, benzoyl alcohol and we electro-oxidize it to benzaldehyde, then the benzaldehyde can react with GT reagent to form this pre-charged molecule. Actually, this is a way to analyze um, alcohol uh, e uh, more easily in spectrum, in uh, using mass spectrum. Um, so in this experiment, uh, we compared the reaction in bulk and in interfacial microreactor. As you can see in the Interfacial microreactor, the product was formed instantaneously. Okay, in the bulk, after thirty minutes, we still can see only small amount of product formed. Right, so then we add uh, triton at one hundred. That is a very typical uh, surfactant, so it can block the surface of our microreactor with increased amount of Triton X added to the solution, we see the decrease of the reaction yield. Okay, that because this surfactant blocked the interface and our reagent cannot go to the interface and to have faster reaction over there. Another important factor that we need to pay attention to is the distance between electrode and the interface. So when we do this experiment, we change the distance between this, the surface and the electrode. And we found if we have a distance larger than five millimeter, okay, then we lose the acceleration effect. We cannot observe acceleration of electrochemical reactions anymore. Only within a certain uh, distance, we can observe the acceleration. That means the diffusion uh, needs to be completed fast in order to get the acceleration on the surface. Okay, um, so the unique property of this microreactor is it can be switched on or off by applying different voltages. As I said, 
if we wanted to form this large surface area, we need to use lower voltage, right, to maintain this surface and to have very low uh, flow rate. If we do not want this surface or interface, then we can increase the voltage and we form that conjet and our flow rate will be increased and we will not have enough time for our molecules to have reaction on the surface, okay? So in this diagram, you will see the response to voltage actually is very fast. When we switch the voltage to two kilovolts, then we see the product immediately. When we switch it to three kilovolts, then we cannot see any product here, okay? Um, I would emphasize that if you choose the uh, regular electrospray emitter with like a three micron orifice size, then you will not observe this phenomenon, okay? You will not have uh, this effective interface for the reaction to occur. All right, so that is about how we develop our interfacial microreactor to accelerate electrochemical reactions. Now I wanted to introduce you how we make full use of these interfacial reactions in lipid analysis. So lipids are a type of biological molecules that maintain cellular functions. Um, lipids are structurally, structurally diverse and often it contains multiple isomers. Here is an example. Phosphatidylcholine, PC160, 181, delta 9Z. Okay, I may need to explain what does this mean, right? 16-0 means the, this acyl chain has 16 carbon and no double bond. 181 means this, double, uh, this acyl chain has 18 carbons and one double bond. Delta 9Z, that means this double bond is located at nine position and it's Z configuration, right? So it can have five different isomers. All these isomers share the same molecular formula and the same mass, molar mass. But if you look at their structures, they have tiny differences here. For this, they have different uh, head group, right? They can have different chain lengths, double bond positions, acyl chain positions, or double bond configurations. So you may think these differences are tiny. Yes, they are tiny, but these lipid isomers can play dramatically different roles in biofunctions. I'll give you one example here. This was done by Yuxia's group, Ouyang's group, and Xiaoxiao's group, okay? Um, so in this experiment, they analyze the uh, isomer, the double bond position isomers and the SN position isomers in human lung cancer tissues. So they found um, tumor tissue and normal tissue have different amount of carbon-carbon uh, double bond position isomers as well as SN position isomers. So that means if we only look at PC341, instead of looking at their isomers, then we may not find they have a big difference you know, between uh, tumor or normal. Or we do not know uh, what is the accurate um, 
you know, structure of these lipids that really make this difference here, okay? So if we can have the technology that can identify the positions of double bond and position isomers, so we can clearly find the isomers can be used as biomarker to differentiate lung cancer tissues, all right? So these results highlights the significance of identification of lipid structures at the isomer level. So it can help us to find biomarkers to diagnose diseases or to find important lipid intermediates to study the mechanism. All right. There are many ways to uh, determine lipid uh, structures. And normally we use Liquid, uh, liquid chromatography coupled with mass spec or direct infusion methods to do lipidomics. And this method can easily determine class, subclass lipids, chain length isomers, but they cannot do double bond positional isomers or SN positional isomers. So these years, in recent years, uh, great effort have been devoted to methodology development in lipid isomer identification. So the method includes eye mobility spectrometry coupled with mass spectrometry. Also the uh, uh, new eye activation methods, for example, UV photo dissociation or electron impact dissociation. Also, we can do chemical derivation and couple the reaction with mass spectrometry to directly ident identify the uh, you know, lipid, um, uh, lipid derivation product, um, and then to determine uh, you know, lipid isomers. So our group focus on chemical derivation methods because it does not require extra instrumentation. So far, um, there are three major reactions that can be used to derivatize lipid double bond and to determine double bond positions. There are ozone analysis or ozone-induced dissociation, paternal Boucher PB reaction, and epoxidation. For ozone analysis, you generate ozone and interact with double bond oxidize it, then in a tender mass, you can determine their diagnostic ions uh, with mass difference of 16 and locate the, uh, the double bond position. Ozone-induced dissociation needs to introduce ozone gas into collision cell and then fragment your uh, lipid double bond um, inside this collision cell to generate diagnostic ions. For PB reaction, so you induce reaction by this UV uh, light. And for uh, epoxidation, you can use plasma-induced epoxidation offline MCPB method or uh, iridium oxide catalyzed epoxidation. So all of these methods actually uh, create a very nice toolbox for lipid isomer identification. And in each experiment, uh, you would find lipid isomers really play a big role or different roles in uh, biofunctions. 
So in our group, we definitely want to develop something very simple and can be directly run in electrospray ionization. Because when, when you think about the uh, use of mass spectrometry, you need an ion source in the end, right? No matter like how you perform your reaction, either in uh, this collision cell, collision cell over here, or the uh, flow reactor for PB re re reaction, or this Appendorf um, tube for plasma induced epoxidation, or the bulk reaction, you know, uh, in the reaction vessel, um, or this another yes emitter. In the end, you will load your uh, solution into emitter into nano ESI emitter, right? So we think about can we directly analyze sample uh, in this nano ESI source and also induce devitalization in the source. So this means we need to do two events, but how we cascade these two events? Can we use different voltage to cascade these to two events? So in CID fragmentation, we've already talked about uh, the commercial CID cannot break double bond directly because it has not uh, enough you know, energy to break double bond. Um, then our question is really the, uh, this step, can we induce epoxidation or other devitalization method in electrospray emitter? And also using different voltage, we can still observe this native lipid molecule. Okay. So now let's think about our interfacial microreactor. In this experiment, we wanted to generate oxidant in situ on the surface of electrode and then coupled the reaction with our lipid isomers at the interface. Then our electrochemical derivatives are generated there and delivered into tender mass to generate diagnostic ions for isomer determination. So we found chloride ions can be oxidized ions and this oxidizing reagent can directly epoxide our double bond and form the epoxide in the solution. And by using this CID, we can generate diagnostic ions to locate the double bond position. So in order to get this chloride ion, we add hydrochloric, uh, hydrochloric acid. So this is an acid. It also reduces some other uh, ions like sodium-80 ions or potassium-80 ions. So it simplifies our spectrum. Also, because this is a type of acid, so it also increases the ionization efficiency of the molecules. So this hydrochloric acid actually plays multiple roles in uh, lipid analysis. It induces uh, this lipid epoxidation. Uh, it improves ionization efficiency. And also, it suppresses the sodiated peak and potassiated peak in the spectrum, simplified spectrum. Okay, so as I said, we are uh, developing voltage dependent reaction, right? So let's see how that works. 
When we switch our voltage to 2.5 to 3 kilovolts, which we think is the relatively high voltage, and our telecone is formed immediately. So we can observe pronated lipid and only one species shown here, right? Then we switch our voltage to 1.5 to 2 kilovolts, and we generate this epoxide lipid. So the difference uh, of mass between epoxide lipid and native lipid is 16 Dalton. So in the spectrum, you can look for this new peak and isolate them in a tandem, tandem mass to look for your diagnostic ions. So this reaction respond to uh, voltage immediately. So in this ion chronogram, you can see when we switch the voltage from 1.8 kilovolts to three kilovolts, the products generate just immediately, okay? You have your interface maintained at that voltage, at this voltage, and uh, you have very uh, low flow rate of droplet, and that droplet delivered to mass back and to have the molecule analyzed. So here the top spectrum is the ion chronogram of protonated lipids, and the bottom one is epoxized lipid. And you see for protonated lipids, we prefer higher voltage. At three kilovolts, we can see the pronated lipids and that respond to this spectrum. If we want to look at the epoxides lipid and we want to isolate them to do tandem mass, then we prefer lower voltage, which is at 1.8 kilovolts. Okay, so this reaction can be switched on off by multiple times, just using different voltages. Also, we can tune our product of mono-epoxidation and di-epoxidation by different voltages. So as you can see, if we use uh, two kilovolts, then we will have more di-epoxidation product. If you use lower voltage, we can have more uh, mono-epoxidation product. So both mono-epoxidation product and di-epoxidation product can be used to analyze lipid isomers, but it just depends on you whether you prefer to use mono or di, and you can use different voltages, right? Okay, let's look at some uh, real lipids here. So here we use a pair of double bond positional isomers for this, we have two double bonds located at nine Z position, a nine position. For this lipid, these two double bonds are located at six position. So by using our on-demand electroepoxidation method, we generate two pairs of different diagnostic ions. If we observe 660 and 676, then these indicate the double bond is at nine position. If we generate the other two diagnostic ions, which are at 618 and 634, then that means our double bond is at six position, okay? All right, next question is, so I just demonstrate positively charged lipids, right? Can we analyze negatively charged lipids using this method? The answer is yes, but we need to change the voltage. 
if we apply positive voltage, uh, DC voltage, that means we maintain positively charged electrode here. And the oxidation can be occurring uh, here, but not detection, right? So if we use negative voltage, then oxidation cannot occur. So in order to have epoxidation as well as the capability to analyze negatively charged lipids, we use AC voltage. So that means we switch the polarity uh, back and forth. And by doing that, we can analyze our native and um, epoxidized uh, positive uh, positively charged lipids when we are using uh, positively charged voltage, positive, positive voltage. When we wanted to analyze negatively charged lipids, then we use negative charge, right? Negative potential. But in order to get negatively charged lipid epoxidation, we still need the positive charge. So this is how we achieve simultaneous detection of positively charged and negatively charged lipid isomer identification. Okay. All right, here is a summary slide that tells you how we run this experiment to look at uh, different double bond position isomers. So we start with a pair of double bond position isomers and we switch on voltage to 1.5 to two kilovolts. Then we can see lipid as well as lipid plus oxygen. Then we switch to uh, 2.5 to three kilovolts. We see the native lipids. So in this mode, we can isolate this plus O or plus two O and identify their diagnostic ions in tandem mass. Okay, then we can locate double bonds in their uh, original structures. Of course, you can go directly to 2.5 to 3 kilovolts, then go back to 1.5 to 2 kilovolts. That also works. Okay. All right. Um, here we show you uh, our method can be used in an in analysis of complex biological examples. So this is polar lipids extract from soil. And from the commercial um, lipid component list, so we, would we know we have PC, PE, PI, PA, and some unknown lipids in the solution, but we don't know the exact structure of uh, these components. So after we applied our method, we not only uh, can determine the chain lengths and how many double bonds, we can also determine the double bond positions, okay? Um, so these lipids are detected in the positive mode and these lipids are detected in the negative mode. Besides the components indicated here, we also find lysopi in the solution, which uh, is should be the unknown shown here, okay? All right, so using this on-demand electro-epoxidation method, we can achieve class, subclass identification, chain length isomer identification, double bond positional isomer identification. Now our next goal is to determine SN positional isomers. And we also consider whether we can develop another voltage dependent reaction 
that allow us to cascade these two reactions together in a single experiment. So here we use electrode electrolysis experiment. Um, in the traditional ESI experiment, we use uh, inert electrode, right? Because we wanted to avoid the reaction between your electrode and your end light. So platinum is commonly used. And in our experiment, we use cobalt metal as the electrode because we want to generate cobalt ions in a solution and interact with our lipid. Um, many you know, metals can be uh, electrolyzed in electrospray condition, um, but only some metal ions can bind lipid at the SN positions. And we specifically looking for, looking for those ions because that can generate the useful information in tandem mass to locate SN positions. So it can form five-membering um, pathway or six-membering pathway. And five-membering pathway is always preferred. That is the reaction uh, at SN2 position. Okay, so this reaction, as I mentioned, is voltage dependent. And interestingly, if we switch our voltage to higher voltage, right, three kilovolts, then we can start seeing the lipid cobalt ions. All right, so here we use a pair of SN positional isomers. Here we have 16, uh, zero for SN1 position and 81 fatty acid chain at SN2 position. And the other one, we have 16-0 fatty acid chain at SN2 position. And as you can see, for different SN positions, we can generate different patterns of diagnostic ions. Then we can pinpoint lipid SN positional isomers. All right. So here show you how we cascade these two types of methods together in a single experiment. First, we start with a high voltage, but this can only be run within a very short time scale because we do not want to induce anodic corrosion here, right? So then we switch our voltage to 1.8 kilovolts and we can have electro epoxidation. For the first step, we can get information of head group and fatty acid chain lengths. For the second step, in our tandem mass, we can determine our carbon bond positions. Then we switch back to three kilovolts. Now we wait for the generation of lipid and cobalt ion cluster. So in a tandem mass, we can get information of SN positional isomers. And here shows you the spectrum at different time points. For the first one is our native lipid at 760. And then T2, that is the time we run electro-epoxidation and we see this 776. At time three, we observe the cobalt adducted lipids that is at 409 and we can determine SN positions. And here are the uh, tandem mass spectrum. So this shows you the uh, lipid iso chain length as well as number of double bond. And in the second step, we can determine double bond. And in the third step, we can determine SN positions. All right, so both methods 
uh, can have very good quantitation properties here. So we demonstrated using our standard and gives very good linear relationship. So next we want to evaluate the efficacy of our method using a complex um, lipid extracts. So here we use uh, mouse prostate tissues, healthy tissue, healthy prostate tissue and prostate cancer tissue. By profiling lipids, we observed different lipids shown in the spectrum. And if we do this on-demand lipid isomer analysis, we would find, right, the first stage, we analyze lipid class and lipid chain lengths. Okay, second stage, we identify double bond. And third stage, we identify SN position isomers. And if we look at the results, so lipid show uh, lipid at M over Z 758.57 shows different abundance in healthy and tumor tissues, right? Uh, if we do not look at the isomers, okay, this is their um, percentage, you know, this is their abundance of PC lipids. And um, when Let's say when we do not consider their SN positions, we just look at the total uh, lipid without considering their SN position isomers, then we do not see big difference between healthy example and tumor example, right? If you look at these two lipids, 16-0, and 16-1, So this underline means we did not determine SN positions. Okay, so they show not very much difference between two groups, right? Next, we start looking at their isomers. All right, now you see the big difference between the groups, right? Increase the difference. So this just provide you a way to find uh, diagnostic ions to differentiate um, tumor tissue and healthy tissue by looking at all these lipids and uh, put them in a heat map you will see, okay, this region of the lipids can be easily used to differentiate tumor and healthy examples. All right. Okay, I think um, that's all about my uh, you know, talk and I'll do a quick summary. So in this talk, I uh, introduced you about how we do reaction acceleration at the air-liquid interface. Also, we, uh, just talk about like uh, how we develop our interfacial microreactor that can accelerate electrochemical reactions. We also talk about how we make use of these interfacial uh, reactions, especially electrochemical reactions in lipid analysis. So we cascade two voltage dependent reactions in a single system, and we can determine class, subclass identification, chain length isomer differentiation, double bond positional isomer identification, and SN positional isomer identification in a single experiment. All right, last but not least, I want to thank my group members. So uh, most of the work that I introduced today were done by Dr. Chen, Shuli Tang. She's my graduate student. She's my first graduate student. And Da Chen Kwai, Li Chen Fan. 
um, and other members also contribute a lot to lipid projects. Uh, I also uh, thank our collaborator, uh, Professor Feng Wang's group, who provide us precious, you know, lipid samples and tissue samples. Also, the uh, funding agencies. So that's all for today's talk, and uh, um, I'm happy to take any questions. Thank you very much. Excellent. Thank you, Shen, Dr. Yan. I appreciate it very much. Pretty amazing uh, compendium of work you've um, established. I've got a number of questions, but um, I always like to leave it open for the. I just want to say that was fascinating, Shin, and um, so beautifully explained. I mean, that's some pretty complex stuff, but you had me spellbound the entire time. So kudos for doing such a good job of presenting all of that complex stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, yeah, that was that was very comprehensive. It's amazing to see, you know, because we've been tracking a lot of these talks on, I'll get to that question really quickly. We've been talking, tracking a lot of these talks on Connect and lipids are coming up everywhere now, right? Um, lipids two or three years ago seemed like they were a fringe study, but now they're all over the place. So seeing a comprehensive way to analyze, analyze them is pretty interesting. Let's get to the first question. Um, Jason, do you want to jump on? I'll give you three seconds to jump on, ask yourself, I'll ask it three, two, one. How many injections does the electrode last for? Hmm. Um, so for this experiment, uh, we only do one injection. So in order to get all this information in a single uh, injection, uh, definitely we need to control the time scale of analysis. So let me show you that scheme, how we control the time here. So here. And here is the time scale from zero to uh, two minutes. Actually, we can do even shorter time. Um, this time period, we do native lipid analysis. And for the second time period, it is from two minutes to six minutes. We can have our interfacial microreactor and we can determine double bond. And for electrolysis reaction, that's in the third stage, and that's from seven minutes to 10 minutes. So that can last uh, three minutes even more. Actually, we did not uh, show the eye chronogram after 10 minutes, that just gives you, you know, plateau over there. And of course you can analyze um, to, you know, uh, whatever time, how long you want, yeah. So this is the normal time scale that we use to do a single experiment uh, and identify all those isomers. Okay, thank you, Shen. Um, another question from Rashmi Kumar, it's pretty simple one, so I'll just ask if Rashmi you can jump on if you have follow-ups. What's the solvent used for electrochemical reactions? Mm -hmm. um, so for this reaction, we use ethanol water. Um, as I said, in our electro-epoxidation, we also add hydrochloric acid because that kind of induced the formation of oxidizing reagent. And um, then we do not have other reagent. Hydrochloric acid, uh, ast nitrile, water, and cobalt electrode. Yeah, that's all for the experiment, uh, solvent and electro system. Okay, thank you. Um, another question from Chris Ling. 
can the micro droplet reaction approach be applied to biocatalysis reactions? Mm, that's a very good question. Uh, I would say we have not tried that in our lab, um, but in Graham Cook's lab and Dick Zier's lab, they have done um, quite a lot enzyme reactions. And that's, I would say uh, that happened just in recent two years. Yeah, please refer to their papers and very interesting papers, I think. Yeah, you would find microdroplet reaction can also be applied to biocatalysis. Excellent. Okay, so is it my turn, Amber, or do you have some questions? My turn, awesome. Um, so I, I'm looking for the state of the art in lipid analysis right now. So I'm trying to get a foundation right now. It seems as though when people do these studies, it's like you're saying, they don't have this different information on where the double bonds are or where the, um, what do you call that SN information is. Um, what's the state of information out there? Is anyone else doing what you're doing in complete analysis or is this a completely new field that people are just trying to break into? Mm. Thanks for this big question. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go to uh, one of my slide here, the background slide here. Um, so I would say, um, you know, the uh, here I included some of the um, pioneer work in lipid isomer identification. So I would say Yusha's group and also um, um, let me see. Yeah, Blansky's uh, group actually they they've done a lot of pioneer work in this field. Um, so in the past, because we were lack of you know this kind of uh, lipid isomer identification methods, it's really hard for people to study the isomer role in biosystem. That's why you will not see many studies um, showing lipid isomer you know, roles in biofunctions. And after their work, uh, people start uh, paying attention to lipid isomer roles. So here I include all different types of methods that can be used to determine carbon-carbon double bond position isomers. And um, this creates the, you know, toolbox that you know, gives you different options of method to determine lipid isomers. But at, at the same time, at the same time, it's very important to recognize uh, lipid isomers really um, have, uh, you know, either like a caused different intermediates, form different intermediates in metabolic pathways in disease examples, or it can be directly used as a biomarkers. So I think that uh, just a, uh, make this lipid isomer identification more and more attractive and also important. Uh, that's why uh, for our group and other many, many other groups are now uh, using different, you know, using our uh, expertise to contribute to this area and to develop some new uh, techniques, develop some new method that facilitate lipid identification. And I would say with the development of new methods, you will find um, the setup is simpler and simpler. And for those community who uh, use 
these methods to study lipid isomers, they will be, you know, they will benefit a lot from the development of the methods. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Ahmed, um, you're up if you'd like to. Uh, sure. Uh, hi, Shen. Uh, hi, Ahmed. Very nice meeting you here. <laughs> so we, we also study lipid isomers and uh, using eye mobility, but uh, the question I have is, uh, will you be able to see conformers if, if they are present uh, using your method? A very good question, yeah. Uh, so when I talk about the different isomers here, right, uh, double bond, besides double bond positions, um, we can also have double bond configurational isomers. Um, so far, our method cannot differentiate double bond configurational isomers. Okay, this is the quick answer to your question. Um, we, we have tried uh, cis and trans lipids using our methods, but in CID, it always gives the same diagnostic ions. So CID can uh, isomerize uh, cis and trans, you know, double bond configurations. Um, so that means we do need to develop a, uh, new uh, dissociation methods, you know, that do not include this, um, you know, the charge induced fragmentation. Yeah, so that may give us the opportunity to differentiate conformation using electrochemical reaction. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thanks, Ahmed. Thanks, yeah, Shen. Um, I have sort of a blue sky question, which I could use some input probably from David Harold, possibly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so we've seen a lot of talks that are imaging mass spec looking at lipids. Um, seems as though there's a lot of work you really have to do to get all this information on what's going on with the lipid. And if you don't have this information, how valuable is that lipid data that you're getting from like a Maldi or Desi or what have you? Are they, do you know the status of the information they get through those methods? And if they're not getting that information, how valuable is it right now in terms of correlation for disease? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks for that question. Um, of course, mass spec imaging of lipids in tissue is very important area. And uh, because mass spec imaging cannot coupled with chromatography, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's very difficult to um, use LC mass methods to analyze lipid isomers, but the divertization uh, method can still be used in mass spectrometry imaging. Actually, we are doing, uh, you know, some of that work in mass spec imaging field. Um, then it raised the question, can these divertization methods uh, compatible with mass spec imaging device. So my answer is not every reaction can be directly used in imaging experiment. Mm -hmm. So for example, uh, in our electrochemical reaction, so if we convert that to imaging setup, right? Uh, we need to generate a micro reactor on the surface of tissue and then induce interfacial electrochemical reaction there. But we found when we do that uh, using nano-DESI imaging methods, the flow rate from the 
uh, one capillary to the other actually still large, very fast. We cannot have enough time for the molecule to stay at the surface to do this electrochemical diversization. So, um, so far we haven't achieved that electrochemical reaction in mass spectrometry imaging. But we do develop other methods, which is not electrochemical reaction, uh, that can be used in mass spectrometry imaging to differentiate lipid isomers. For example, the current work we are doing is manganese catalyzed epoxidation. So that can uh, differentiate double bond as well as SN positional isomers at the same time. Yeah. Okay, that's good to know. Appreciate that background. Thank you very much for that. Um, David Harold, you're unmuted. I don't know if that means you wanted to ask a question or not. I got lots of questions, but not right. I'll wait. <laughs> this was a fantastic talk. I really loved it because I did my PhD thesis on organic mass spectrometry, which is not as complex as this. And of course, it was 40 or 50 years ago, so it couldn't be. But I, I see a lot of things that I'm, I'm interested in asking more questions about that are very, I, I guess, personally related and not really related to the talk mm -hmm. as far as what was presented in the direction. Okay, that sounds good to me. So we could do a, it's been a great talk, a great discussion at this point. We can do what we call our soft close. We can let people leave if they need to. We'll stop the recording and we can stay on for couple minutes, five minutes afterwards, and you can ask. Thank you for the uh, spontaneous hand clap, Ahmed. We got to get that up. Appreciate the, uh, the virtual applause. Um, and I'd just like to say thank you, Shen, for sharing with us today. We really appreciate you coming on and taking the time to share this with the community. And thank you to my co-host, Amber. Thank you, Amber. And that's it for now. So I hope to see you at a future MSASO Connect activity. And like I said, if you want to stay on and chat with us a bit, we're here for you. And to everyone else, stay safe and stay connected.